Okay, everyone, welcome to the Department 12 podcast. And on today's episode, we're talking to Dr. William Gentry. Uh, Bill, you've written a book called Be the Boss Everyone Wants to Work For A Guide for New Leaders. Great. And uh, before we get into that, maybe you could just start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so. I uh, went to college at Emory University and then uh, straight after that went into graduate school in industrial organizational psychology at the University of Georgia, which is a great program, and uh, spent a few years there, got my uh, PhD, there, my master's and my PhD there. And then right after uh, graduate school, I was lucky enough to come to the Center for Creative Leadership, which is a, a executive education and, and leadership development place, <laughs> for lack of better words. It's just an awesome place to work, and we're we're number four right now in the world, uh, according to the Financial Times, in executive education and leadership development, and uh, we are the only not-for-profit in the top ten, in fact, uh, and we firmly believe in our mission, which is to advance the understanding, practice, and development of leadership to benefit society worldwide. So we not only train leaders, but we also do research, and I get to do a little bit of both. Very, very cool. So the book, why did you write it? I, you know, I've been studying leadership ever, even ever since graduate school, but particularly since I've come to uh, CCL, I've, I've studied, you know, why leaders derail, what makes them successful, what are certain things they need to do to be successful, or the things they don't need to do so that, um, you know, their careers don't derail. And for about the past, you know, probably since about 2009 or, or 2010, I've been really focused on this level of leaders, these frontline leaders, these these leaders who are so good at the jobs that what they do as individual contributors, they get promoted in a leadership. And I was on the redesign of one of our programs called Maximizing Your Leadership Potential um, that focuses on that particular population of leaders. Um, We redesigned it back around 2009 or 2010. I started training that program around 2011, and my research really focused on them since that time. And just knowing all the hardships they go through, all the expectations that people put on them, and the lack of support that industry-wide, if you look at all the statistics out there, and we can talk about those, uh, they don't get enough time, uh, energy, resources, support, development in order to make what I, what I, what I call the, the biggest transition in any leader's career is that first one, going from a rock star individual contributor to now being a leader. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And so many people have uh, sort of what I call promotion shock, which is, you know, the happiness and excitement of getting this promotion. And then all of a sudden it hits you that now you're being asked to do something that is so different than what you were doing as an individual contributor. And you're going from being at the top of your game as an individual contributor to being just a rank beginner at this management and leadership thing. So where are we missing the boat? So where are organizations uh, really not supporting their, their new managers and their new leaders? I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, as we talked about the statistics before, you know, Career Builder came out with something a few years ago that almost 60% of people who get that promotion into leadership get no training or no development at all. Wow. Um, so that's that's one area. <laughs> um, we're just not giving them enough time. And, and I think it's because so many new leaders are on those front lines, these entry-level managers and supervisors and, and directors, and there's just so many of them uh, that how can, we, how can an organization spend the money for that level of leadership when there's so many of them? But if you look at it, because there's so many of them, 
They lead the most amount of people in organizations. Um, they they have the biggest impact on key HR indicators that are, uh, you know, buzzwords right now, employee engagement, team productivity, customer satisfaction. And they're your bench strength. You know, there are your future leaders in your organization. They tell you how healthy your bench is. And if you're not giving them the attention and the time that they deserve, um, they might leave. And, 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 and your organization's not going to be better off for it because you will have just a, a vast amount of, of talent leaving. So, um, yes, it is a problem when uh, these first-time managers don't get any training. Yes, there's a lot of them. So how can an organization actually train all of those uh, those new leaders when they're the biggest population of leaders in any organization? Um, that's kind of where the, the key issue is. There's so many of them, but yet they're so important. But how can we do it? It's a problem. Yeah. So given that you're the guy that wrote the book on it, let's say I'm a brand-new manager and I corner you at a conference somewhere and I say, oh, you know, I've only got a couple of minutes, but – What's one piece of advice you would give me as I start out on this new role? Yeah, the 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 red thread throughout the book, and it's the kind of the theme and the and the mantra that I tell these new leaders. It's flip your script. If you remember one thing, it's flip your script. And as I tell people, the what a script is, it's just like a TV show, movie, whatever. Um, that's what helps us understand our role and what we do, and helps dictate the types of things that we do. That's what a script does for a television show or a movie or whatever the case may be. As an individual contributor, our script is, I tell people, it's kind of like that old breakup line, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> and when I put it in that sort of context, yeah. what makes all of us successful, particularly as individual contributors, is it's not about the things that you do. It's about, the, it's about me. Mm-hmm. It's about my skills and my talents and my abilities and my motivation, my technical savvy, my smarts, my, you know, me coming into work early, me staying in late. Yeah. And it, it's, it's worked for us ever since we were kids. My own abilities, my smarts, that's what got me into college, into university, into graduate school, got me my first job, got me raises and bonuses, promotions. It's all about me, huh. and that's what gets me promoted into leadership. Yeah. You know, our, our, our current performance is what gets us promoted, and if you keep with that script as a leader, you're going to derail. I mean, that's what uh, the derailment research of CCL has been showing ever since the 80s. There are several things that yeah. – leaders do that makes their careers derail and a lot of it is you can't work well with others you can't change you can't adapt uh you stay in that technical role that made you so successful and you can't as i say flip your script into it's not about me anymore so if the script of an individual contributor is it's not you it's me leaders need to be able to flip their script and say you know what it's not about me anymore yeah yeah, that's a really good point. It's almost like you're moving from being on the basketball team to coaching the basketball team. You can't be out there making all of the free throws uh, and throwing yeah. all the elbows anymore. It's just not going to work. You've got to work through the team, and uh, you're going to be judged on how well you can get that team to perform rather than you going out there and trying to play all the positions, which I think a lot of new managers struggle with that. And you know, I work with some really, uh, really gifted technical people, and I think for, for some of them it's not even so much about them as individuals it's more about the work as they find it really hard to let go of doing the work right or the way they see it um, as doing it right Um, do you have any thoughts on that yeah and as a new manager myself so I I, I tell people I you know I research new leaders I train them 
And right when I signed the contract to write the book, I became one myself. <laughs> so I, I feel exactly what a lot of new leaders are going through. Yeah. And that's the one thing right now in my kind of leadership position. Uh, I'm, at CCL, I'm the director of a, of a team called Leadership Insights and Analytics, and we really mm -hmm. use data to help organizations and help you know uh, the our, our customers at large or, or people interested in leadership to know what we know about leadership through our data. And one of the things that I'm struggling with right now the most is letting go of mm -hmm. the work that I love. The mm -hmm. you know I love I'm an IO psychologist. Yeah. I love crunching numbers. <laughs> I love getting on SPSS or what have you. I love turning those numbers into data, into into findings, <laughs> into things that can help people. And that's my identity. That's what yeah. makes me who I am and a subject matter expert. And now how can I let that go to now manage my team so that they can be successful? And that's the of the many things that I've struggled with, um, that's one of the, the, the bigger issues that I personally and a lot of new leaders go through. It's yeah. letting go of the work that we love doing and that made us successful in the first place. Yeah, and I think it's probably encouraging for anyone hearing this that's struggling with the same thing, that the person that you know that wrote the book about this, that thinks about this stuff all the time, even you struggle with, how do yeah. I step back from really getting my, my hands into, into that business? And, and step back and make it about my team and what they can accomplish. So thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. So uh, I always like to close out by asking folks, what is it uh, that, about you that might surprise us, something we might not guess from looking at your LinkedIn profile or your resume? I'm a, I, I have a couple passions in life. One is music and one is sports. So I, I love music and I play piano and sing, and I have a – I still collect CDs. I, I've, I, I have yet to really get into the, you know, buying all those uh, songs on, on iTunes, but I have a huge CD collection here, and I just love playing them. And then kind of the other passion I have is sports. I'm, I'm both a, a fantasy sports geek and a real sports geek. You know, I, I play fantasy football and fantasy baseball, and and uh, I love playing golf. I've run a, I've run three marathons. Wow. Um, and... Uh, not very fast, but I finished. <laughs> well, that's impressive, and I would imagine yeah. that an IO psychologist, particularly one with, you know, a strong stats background, would be a pretty dangerous person in fantasy football. So I'm glad <laughs> I don't have to go up against you. So I've I, won a couple. <laughs> I've won a couple leagues. <laughs> so I just wanted to thank you very much for being on the show, and I'm going to post uh, in the show notes for today uh, links to um, your contact information and also to. Uh, CCL, which I think is an organization that any IO psychologist or any IO student would be well uh, advised to check out and learn more about because it's a, just an organization with a great reputation. and It's something that uh, if you don't know about them, you will know about them soon. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. I appreciate what you do for all of us IO psychologists and getting the word out there and how important our uh, our industry and, and, and our education can be for, for others. So thank you. Well, thanks, Bill.